Thank you, Clark, and what a privilege it is. This is such a fantastic faith community. Now, of course, there are no perfect ones. Just read the New Testament. You'll see that quite clearly. But Wesley Memorial is an exceptional faith community where the heart of Christ is being made known with a proclamation of his grace and invitation to life is something that we do in every outlet, every venue, uh, including children and youth ministry. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was coming out of uh, the campus here, and I heard some joyful noise coming over from the playground where our through-the-week school children were out there just having a blast. And they were playing wonderful children's games. Now, the thing that struck me about that was they were playing some of the same games that I played as a kid a couple of years ago. Now, those games, I, I mean, there are games that we remember playing long before we did the organized sports thing. We played games like Duck, Duck, Goose. We played King of the Mountain. Uh, in fact, let's just have a little fun. I want you, if you're uh, close enough to somebody and you can maintain the appropriate social distance, how about just saying to them, what was your favorite game growing up? Just take about 10 seconds and do that go at home I hope that you'll do it I hope there's somebody there with you uh, maybe you can uh, just respond as you're watching this on Facebook and just put in what your favorite game was go ahead you got it great great now on the count of three I want everybody to call out your favorite childhood game one two three yeah what a, what a plethora of games. And one of the ones I heard was hide and seek. Now that's a wonderful game and all of us played it. In fact, almost every culture that I've been able to find has some variation of hide and seek. Now in hide and seek, you know, it's always more fun to be the hider because the hider has all the control. You go and hide and then you nervously laugh and giggle and try and be quiet as the seeker comes to look. Nobody really wants to be the seeker. In fact, when somebody says, let's play hide and seek, what is the next phrase out of everybody's mouth? Not it. It. Now, tonight we have the Super Bowl, right? And on that Super Bowl, both teams, they have very specific positions. They have the quarterback, they have tight ends, they have offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Everybody has a name position. But in hide-and-seek, it. Kind of ignominious, isn't it? Not Captain It, not CEO It, just It. And It has to go be the seeker. And at some point, at some point, the person who is It calls out... Ali, Ali, oxen free. And that means you can come out of hiding. You will not be chased. You can come home. No penalty, no harm, no foul. We have that game of hide and seek. And we begin to teach some variation of it to our children, even at earliest ages. I want you to think about that baby that you bring home from the hospital after birthing. Within just a few months... You're playing peekaboo. Where's daddy? There he is. How old is that game? It is at least as old as the scriptures. Over in Genesis chapter 3 verses 8 through 10, 
we have a section of the story of Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve are out of bounds. They have eaten of the forbidden fruit. When God comes in the cool of the day to be with them, to share communion with them, to share the sense of community and oneness with them, they are instead hiding among the trees. And God calls out to them, where are you? Now, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think the creator of the universe as well as the Garden of Eden would know where they are. God knows that. So it's not a question of proximity. He is inviting them. He is challenging them to recognize where they are in their lives. To look clear-eyed at what they have done and what their need is now. And they respond, we were hiding because we were naked and afraid. Juxtaposition that with the creation story of when, when they were created. And God says, they were naked and unashamed. There was nothing to be hidden. No need to hide. No need for shame or guilt. There was an openness of heart. Now, hiding among the trees, they live in a hidden heart. Friends, it's a story as old as Adam and Eve. It's repeated many times throughout the scripture. Over there in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. You remember that young man comes to his father and says, Dad, I, you know, I just need to find myself. I, I cannot find myself. I cannot be who I truly need to be under your watchful eye. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me my share of the inheritance as if you had died. And let me just go find myself. The father acquiesces and gives that young man X amount of dollars. He goes, says the text, to the far country hiding from his father's watchful eye and hiding from the self he is meant to be. It's only through a series of calamitous events that the text says he came to himself. He had a moment of clarity. Some of you who may walk the journey of recovery know that moment of clarity where you recognize there is a hiddenness in your life that needs to be addressed. Several, several folks uh, were a part of this Enneagram study that was done. And as part of that, you learned your Enneagram number. But you also learned that with all of the positives about your particular number, there were also the shadow sides of that number. I would say that is the, that is the part that remains hidden, but is nonetheless powerful. I was in a counseling session with a young man in his 30s one time and he, he made the comment, I never let anybody see who I really am. And I said, why do you think that's so? He said, because if I project who they think I ought to be or I project what I think they want to see, then if they reject that, they're really not rejecting me. And it doesn't hurt so bad. I have a friend who's married. I, I know him much better than I know his wife. Both of them are high achievers, well-respected in their fields. But in their marriage relationship, they hurt each other from a hidden heart. They cannot 
They cannot make the connections of intimacy every time they try to take their relationship to a deeper level of self-revelation. They hurt each other from hidden hearts and they have taught their daughter that path so well. She is now a young adult. She is married, has children. And my friend laments, he laments the broken and fractured relationship he has with his daughter. How he wants it to be different, but he cannot bring himself to reach out. Out of his fear that if he reaches out, he will be hurt again. When in fact, when he reaches out, he will hurt her. Hiddenness. Hiddenness. I believe there is great hope for the hidden heart. When God comes to Adam and Eve in the garden in their hiddenness of heart, He deals with them directly and He says to them, Here is the result of your hidden heart. It is the loss of relationship. It is the disruption of the relationship. It is the destruction of the relationship you have with me, the relationship you have with each other. And the consequence is, yes, you have to leave the garden. But the hopeful good news is, God does not stay in the garden. God walks the path of restoration and redemption for humanity, culminating in Jesus, who has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. In fact, over in Luke chapter 19, we have this wonderful account of Jesus and his interaction with a person who lives with a hidden heart. We're going to put it up on the screen. And this is about Zacchaeus. And I'm not sure my old eyes can read that well. I might, uh, I'm going to turn to the text over here. And it may be a bit of a different translation. So let me read this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All of the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Powerful passage of Scripture. Jesus is on his way through Jericho. And there is Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, chief tax collector. Now, he is a Jew as Jesus is a Jew. But Zacchaeus, being a tax collector, is a collaborator with Rome. He is siding with the oppressor. In those days, political offices, like tax collector, could be bought, sold to the highest bidder. 
And Zacchaeus has apparently won that bid. Now he had to send a certain amount of tax money to Rome. But anything he got over that, he could line his own pockets with. And the text says, he was very rich. But there's something about Jesus. Now, I have to tell you this. I have a fertile imagination. Some people just think it's weird. I, I wonder about Zacchaeus. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was. And I happen to think back to another tax collector whose name was Levi that became a disciple of Jesus. You know him better as Matthew, as in the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. When he became a disciple of Jesus, he threw a big party and he invited all of his tax collector friends. And in my imagination, I just wonder, I just wonder if Zacchaeus got an invitation. And Zacchaeus might have thought, well, you know, I don't go to parties much. But free food, I'll go have an hors d'oeuvre or two and make an appearance and then be on my way. But if he showed up, there was something about Jesus that was attractive to him. And he hung around, didn't agree much with what Jesus was saying. And finally just got uncomfortable. Jesus was beginning to get to him. And he leaves. Now, that's not in the Bible. I don't know if that's true. But I wonder about it sometimes. Because here this man wants to see who Jesus was. Is this the same Jesus at the party and he comes out, he comes out knowing that he's not well respected, knowing that he's held in low regard by the community, and he tries to muscle his way through the crowd. Now, it says he was short of stature. That means he's of the ideal height. That is, he's trying to push and pull and get his way through the crowd to get to the front so he can see people recognize him and they can move a well-placed elbow just about at chin height. And I could just imagine Zacchaeus having enough of that. And he, he backs out of there and says, well, I'm, I'm going to shimmy up that tree. And so he shimmies up that tree and Jesus comes walking by. Now, in every picture I've ever seen of Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree, we see Zacchaeus as the only one up a tree. But now that whole boulevard was lined with trees. And I think there had been lots of folks climbing up there to get a better look. So Zacchaeus is hiding in plain sight. But Jesus stops. And he goes over there and he looks up and he calls Zacchaeus by name. Incredible. If he wanted anonymity, if he wanted to be hiding in plain sight, now every eye in the boulevard is trained on him. Jesus calls him by name. Some years ago I was listening to an NPR radio interview. A, a woman in her 30s at that time. She was in jail. And she made no excuses for what got her in jail. But she was talking about how she had changed since she had been incarcerated. And she reflected on her growing up years in a major Midwestern city and what life was like. She said in the summertime, my friends and I would, would all come down to the streets when it was getting cooler in those summer days and, and we'd play on the street. We'd play all the games that kids play. But then as the daylight began to fade, 
I would hear voices call out, the voices of moms and dads, the voices of grandmas and grandpas, the voices of aunts and uncles. Tommy, it's time for you to come on home now. Susie, dinner's on the table. Come on now, come on in. And she said, one by one, the names of all my friends were called. Until at last, I was the only one left. And nobody ever called my name. Can you imagine what it would be like to live a life where nobody cared enough, loved enough to ever call your name? Jesus calls Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, you come on down from there. I'm coming to your house today. And the people in the crowd are, what? You can't be serious. Don't you know who that is? That's Zacchaeus. He he is a collaborator. He is not a friend of ours. He is not a friend to your people. Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus is not intent on condemning him. He is intent on restoring him, in redeeming him. Zacchaeus, I'm calling your name because you and I have some business with the hiddenness of your heart. And Zacchaeus comes down and he says he embraced the invitation. And when they get to his house, when they get to his house, Jesus doesn't even have to ask the question. It hangs heavy in the air. Zacchaeus, where are you? Not a question of proximity. Where's your heart? Zacchaeus, are you living a life that honors the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Zacchaeus, are you living a life that brings honor to your people. Zacchaeus, are you living a life that's reflective of your truest self? Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus stands up and he makes a proclamation. He says, if I have, if I have wronged anybody, I'm going to pay back four times over. I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. What is he doing? He's making amends. He recognizes the hiddenness of his heart and he says, I don't want to hide anymore. I want to be set free of this that is destructive to my relationship with the Holy One, destructive to my relationship with those God has given me to love. Those of you that walk the recovery journey know this is not about image management. When we seek to make amends, it is because we have a heart that has been set free. And it's out of the generosity of that heart set free that we want others to have relationships to restore as well. Zacchaeus, says Jesus, salvation has come to this house today. You are a true son of Abraham. And Jesus says, For this reason I have come, to seek and to save the lost. Folks like us who deal with hidden hearts. Friends, we're going to have just a moment or two of reflection as Keith plays. And I would invite you to listen during that time for the work of the Holy Spirit as Jesus calls you by name. Would you have an openness for him to reveal any hidden heart places you have? 
that separate you from the relationship God wants you to have that stands between you and the people God has given you to love I believe God wants you to be free from hiddenness that imprisons you so would you just have the integrity to listen for your name and the willingness for the Holy Spirit to surface any hiddenness that needs to be given and trusted to Jesus. Amen.